KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, June 1st. It's the last round for the Payroll Protection Program. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Yet another smuggling boat operation was seized off the coast of Mission Beach on Monday. 17 undocumented migrants were taken into custody. Border Patrol officials told the San Diego Union-Tribune that the interception happened around 12.50 p.m. yesterday. The people arrested were turned over to the U.S. Border Patrol agents and taken for processing. According to two new reports by the National Urban League and Stop AAPI Hate, 62% of Asian Americans nationwide lack access to mental health care resources. That's a need that's grown over the past year due to the pandemic and a rise in anti-Asian racism. Joanne Fields is the director of the Filipino Resource Center in San Diego. With this trauma and what I'm hearing, even with counselors and teachers and schools, is that Our young people, our lolas, our lolos, are wanting to talk about what's happening. At the national level, Representative Judy Chu of Pasadena is expected to reintroduce AAPI mental health legislation this week. California voters will decide in next year's general election whether to legalize sports gambling. Proponents submitted 1.4 million signatures to qualify the measure for the ballot. It would allow sports betting at tribal casinos and horse tracks. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Monday was the last day for small business owners to apply for the Federal Paycheck Protection Program, better known as PPP loans. KPBS's Claire Tregesser says this round of lending was meant to do better at getting funds to businesses owned by people of color and for small businesses in lower-income neighborhoods. Charlie Johnson owns the local business McKello, which helps customers do energy analysis on their homes. And I found that I was pretty good at uh, educating people within my community about these technologies. When the third round of PPP loans were made available in January, Johnson was ready. Uh, I really honed in on finding banks that were there and claimed to be uh, available to support minority and small-owned businesses. He reached out to community development financial institutions, which are private lenders specifically focused on giving money to lower-income and minority business owners. Within another day, we had an application underway, and within two weeks, we had 
a signed loan agreement, and within two weeks of that, we had funding. That's exactly how the third round of PPP funding was supposed to work. It favored community financial institutions, which are meant to be better at targeting smaller businesses and minority-owned businesses. The point was to address the inequity in funding from the first two rounds, says Mike Sovacool, the deputy district officer of the San Diego SBA office. The SBA realized that not all small businesses had current accounts with already established SBA lenders. And so in in an effort to broaden the network, the SBA grew its uh, PPP lending network beyond its normal. SBA lending network. In the first two rounds, San Diego County lenders gave 61 percent of loans to businesses in majority white census tracts and just under 12 percent to businesses in majority Latinx census tracts. And that was KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. Memorial Day remembers those who made the ultimate sacrifice for their country. KPBS's Melissa May was at the USS Midway on Monday for their services. On this Memorial Day on the USS Midway, they honored those who served in what is sometimes called the Forgotten War, where over 30,000 Americans lost their lives. That Forgotten War is the Korean War, described by USS Midway Museum spokesman David Kuntz. There was a conflict in the early 1950s in between World War II and the Vietnam War, but we should always remember those who fought in this war. Retired Gunnery Sergeant Joe Kala is a Korean War veteran and reflects on returning to Seoul, South Korea 69 years later as a hero. Being a young guy, we... We, we knew that we were there just to fight a war. We didn't know what we really were doing for those people. And now they know it, and they really appreciate it. Kala spoke of the service people who lost their lives during the Korean War. For my comrades in the Marines, I'll never forget. I think about them. A lot. They were good pals. Marine veteran Ruth Osborne is grateful the USS Midway paid a special tribute to the Korean War veterans. I wanted to come because I love the Korean veterans. I've been to Korea. I just love everything about it, and I want to be with the veterans that were still here and celebrate with them. Osborne forged her mother's signature to join the Marines. Because I love America. I fought, I went in Korea because I was a kid and I had to do something for my country. A commemorative wreath-laying ceremony took place to honor all those who lost their lives serving their country. And that reporting from KPBS's Melissa May. San Diego has two national cemeteries, and both have long been a focus for those remembering fallen service members. Both cemeteries were open for Memorial Day yesterday, and KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh was there, where he says things were slowly getting back to normal. 
Last year on Memorial Day, Fort Rosecrans and Miramar National Cemeteries were closed to the public. Ceremonies, including funerals, were severely restricted. This year, the restrictions were removed too late to plan the normal remembrances, says Cemetery Director Greta Hamilton. The main thing that we did today was we placed a wreath in the private ceremony at Miramar and Fort Rosecrans um, in honor of those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. We also, on Saturday, we placed flags at Fort Rosecrans as well on the graves there in the cemetery. Burials continued through the pandemic. Loved ones were given the option to hold a ceremony after the restrictions were lifted, so attendance is expected to increase in the coming months. And that was KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. The community of La Mesa is commemorating the first anniversary of a major protest against police violence and racial injustice. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell takes a look back at the significance of the protest a year ago and also a look at what lies ahead. The pain of the movement, like it's very understandable why there were um, protests that came about. Following community protests and rioting over the murder of George Floyd and the false arrest of Amari Johnson by a La Mesa police officer, La Mesa Strong took on a new meaning. Behind this fence is where Union Bank used to be before it was burned down in a fire last year caused by civil unrest. Now, a year later, all that's left is an empty lot and this tarp with messages reminding us of La Mesa's resilience. Nadia Zamora owns the Pink Rose Cafe. Her store was looted the night of the protest. I didn't never I never wanted to drive down La Mesa Boulevard because what we experienced that night was horrific. It was like a scene out of a war zone. Um, and emotionally it like sent me down the hole. Emotionally and financially broken, Zamora is coming out on the other side. So had it not been for the support of the community and the encouragement. Um, that we received from them along with Union Bank, we would not have been here. Ashley Twyman, a longtime La Mesa resident, says she would like to see growth that goes beyond the business sector. But as far as like actual growth goes, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've seen it. Um, and if it is, it's pretty quiet. You see a lot of supporters in like the shops and stuff like that, but um, as a community, I don't know if it's really gotten any better. Hannah Fletcher, another La Mesa community member, says there is still pain that remains behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Hopefully understand the issue more of um, racial discrimination, police brutality, etc. And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. Two months ago, the San Diego region received over $200 million in state and federal funds to help low-income families pay rent and utilities during the pandemic. But as iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney explains, only 2% of the money has been spent as of mid-May. Local governments in San Diego County are running into the same problems they had with rent relief efforts last year. The application process is slow, and some landlords still won't take the money. For renter Janea Wall, who lost income last year, she's $14,000 behind in rent for her City Heights apartment. She got approved for relief, but it took more than two months. During the wait, her type 2 diabetes worsened. Yeah, the stress of the pandemic, the stress of trying to make ends meet, the stress of, am I going to have a roof? And then, 
you have some landlords refusing the aid. When that happens, state law says tenants get a quarter of what they owe and are protected from eviction. But landlords don't get any relief if their tenants won't participate. Here's Lucinda Lilly with the Southern California Rental Housing Association. Right now, if a renter says, no, I'm not willing to participate, we're just left holding the bag. To help tenants and landlords, Governor Gavin Newsom is proposing changes to improve the program. That was iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Coming up, you may have noticed the wildfire season in California got an early start this year. He barely got out, you know, with not even a shirt on his back and his dog, like, had to drive through a, a wall of fire to get out. A story of how one community is preparing for the wildfire season in the face of severe drought. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Most of California is experiencing extreme drought right now. That means the possibility of bigger, more destructive wildfires earlier in the summer. Cap Radio's Scott Rod has this report from Butte County. Uh, taco salad, please. Chili verde. Lunchtime brings a crew of laborers to this taco stand in Oroville. They're taking a break from clearing trees and brush around nearby homes. One of them tells Sissy Savoy about free and reduced cost programs to remove hazardous vegetation in fire-prone areas. She leaves with a box of tacos and the company's contact info. Savoy is living in a tent on her best friend's property and plans to help him rebuild after his home burned last year. He barely got out, you know, with not even a shirt on his back and his dog, like had to drive through a, a wall of fire to get out. The region has seen bigger and bigger fires in recent years. The Wall Fire, 6,000 acres, the Camp Fire, 150,000 acres, and the North Complex Fire last year, over 300,000 acres. But Savoy, like many of her neighbors, is committed to this place. I was sitting up outside of my tent the other night looking at the trees. A lot of people go up there and think it's really ugly, you know, so I'm scarred, damaged. Maybe I relate to that, <laughs> my own scars and damage, and I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people love me back to health. She says she is a little nervous about this year, and for good reason. The last 18 months were among the driest and hottest on record in California. Moisture levels in fire fuels like grass and brush are below average, and the meager snowpack has largely soaked into the ground instead of flowing into lakes and rivers. Look no further than Lake Oroville to see the drought's impact. On this side, they made some new boat ramps and uh, kind of get a, a view of the lake. Eric Eastman visits here often. He owns a houseboat and is giving me a tour of the lake in his pontoon. The marina had to remove about 70 houseboats this year because they could have run aground as the water continues to drop. Eastman's boat was spared but he says it has an impact on the whole community. I'd be devastated that we wouldn't be able to have our home on the water. We would still come here and many of the owners 
potluck every night and get together. And so we have friends' boats that we could stay on, but it's not like staying on your boat. The shoreline's steep, dry embankments loom over us. Lake Oroville's water is less than half of what it usually is for this time of year, and it will only continue to drop. We ride past a hillside torched by last year's North Complex fire, which sent a blizzard of embers onto the lake. You couldn't even see one boat to the next so thick of smoke, and they finally let people come off and blow the ash and everything off your boats. Cause there were huge leaves and pine needles everywhere that I just can't believe the boats didn't catch on fire. Back on dry land, I meet up with Cal Fire Captain Robert Foxworthy. We hike along a wooded trail where much of the grass is already dried out and yellow, prime for catching fire. So what is CAL FIRE doing to prepare? We're hiring over 1,200 additional firefighters that are going to go mainly to hand crews. Until they're actually out there fighting fire and doing fire suppression, they're going to be doing fuel reduction projects. Governor Gavin Newsom announced over half a billion dollars in early budget spending to expand vegetation management projects. And he's proposing over $5 billion to address the drought. Foxworthy offers this plea to the public. Now is the time to pack your go bags with essential belongings and documents, and to make sure the space around your home is clear of dangerous fire fuels. And that was Cap Radio's Scott Rod reporting from Butte County. That's it for the podcast today. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.